Und was der Fichtel uns jetzt gleich sagen wird, das werden wir uns anhören. Mit von der Party, die Woodies. Regrettably interrupt fishing with guns with this special news bulletin. Right. Oompa, loompa, doompa, daddy. If you are wise, you'll listen to Kevin Gassman. A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for, your pregame announcer, your pop scene sensation, Gassman. Gassman. One of the carpet blobs from Singer 7G. Some people have said that you're retarded, not me. It's kind of fitting that we have some audio slave uh, kicking off our show here because we were just talking about them a few minutes ago here in uh, in the green room, if you want to call it that. Good afternoon to you. It's another edition of Going Global with Gas. Man. <laughs> Tidy Gad <laughs> hanging out with us here, of course. Uh, we'll get to aliens in about an hour, but in the meantime, we have this fun hour to get through. The Going Global portion, the first hour, and I, I can't wait. And uh, because we're going to be talking with the legendary bassist, <laughs> Rudy Sarzo. <laughs> so, I mean, this guy played with Ozzy, Quiet Riot, White Snake. He even played with Dio. He's playing with the Guess Who now, and he's in a movie called Hired Guns. And we're gonna, or Hired Gun, I should say. These are musicians <laughs> that are hired to play in bands. And these are what they say, the A-listers, is what they what he mentions, or at least the huh. movie he mentions about these guys. And uh, it's an am- amazing movie, Hired Gun. It comes out Thursday. It's a one-day theater release, and it's in many cities. Here in Phoenix, Arizona, it is as well. And uh, one time only, check it out in the theaters, and uh, otherwise you have to wait till it comes on DVD. So that's happening in a, in a few. But in the meantime, we're going to talk to a local Musician, actually, well, he can kind of—he's from Arizona, but actually, you know, he's not national to a certain degree because he was on yeah. The Voice. Joshua West is with us. Josh, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for joining awesome. us, man. Absolutely, it's a pleasure. Yeah, no, I'm, I was really looking forward to it, actually. Yeah, right on. I'm too, as well. I mean, I—I I, I don't even know how I found you, to be honest. I think I saw you maybe on a post or something. Yeah, I got shared I, a lot. I was apparently yeah. I was kind of bugging everybody because, like, I just while I was on The Voice, like, I just wouldn't go away. Right. <laughs> Well, yeah. it, was, it was the twelfth season of The Voice, Correct. and you, you, you didn't win The Voice, but you did make it to the final list. I made it to the top twenty, yeah. which is, and that's the lives section, which is kind of like the it's a bigger deal than just making it to one of the pre pre taped rounds, right? Um, so that was yeah, that was great, um, and obviously, obviously there was a couple more rounds after that. But it's really exciting, you know. It's I can only imagine yeah. <laughs> you're going from like, uh, you know, an audition probably here in, in Arizona, was it? No, or actually, no? I went to California. You did uh, for the first audition, and then, um, then again, uh, and it was like a really long process because they have like three or four thingies before it, you know. Uh, and then it was like it was a long time because I was there for just to film the blinds. I was there for a month just for the blinds. Uh, once I had made it past like two or three auditions before that, oh, right? Wow. Yeah, yeah. And then I was there for a month again for the knockouts and the battles and then I was there for another two weeks for the top 20. Well, that's very cool, awesome. man. That's, yeah. a, that's a nice accomplishment. A lot of fun. That's yeah. promising, man. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, is. How, how long you been doing music? Um, I've been, uh, we've been kind of working on, on, on music like for real uh, for maybe since I was 11 or so. Because uh, okay. Because basically what happened was my, he's, my dad, uh, he's been, um, he's been a musician 
since he was like 16, I think, or 15, right. he got his first guitar, you know. Um, and uh, he never really pushed that on me. I always, I, I always told him, I, you know, at first when I was a little kid, I wanted to be a guitar player because mm. uh, that's what my dad did. Um, <laughs> but I started singing at uh, very early age, just never really, th- I don't know if they ever thought about it particularly. Uh, and obviously I didn't because I was like six. <laughs> um, but eventually, uh, one day when I was like 10 or 11, uh, my dad was playing his guitar, uh, and I was sitting on the bed just listening to him, which I would do. Uh, and I, he, I think I started just singing something, no words or anything. And and we did that a couple times just because I guess just he was curious. Um, and then eventually he said, "Josh, try and sing some words." Hmm. Um, Were you just humming beforehand, or? Uh, no, I was singing, but I wasn't. I was just vocalizing. You know, it was just oohs and ahs. Okay. Uh, yeah, because I wasn't thinking, you know, seriously right. about it. Uh, and eventually, uh, I think, I don't know, maybe. A, Couple weeks after that, we'd probably finished our first song. Really? Um, yeah, and we'd uh, so we've been doing that for. Was this a collaborated song as far as words go, or is this? Uh, yeah, it's 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 melodies me, music is him, and then words are, are us together. Both of us, yeah. And we have Dad with us. Glenn Good is job, with Dad. Us. Yeah. You can get on the mic, say hi. <laughs> he's, Greetings. Yeah, he's, not, he's not much of a talker, but. Uh, so well, yeah. well, I got to ask him though quickly: is that you know, not pushing music on him in a sense almost brought him to the music? To, would you kind of agree with that? Um, what my recollection is, is that I would actually, because being a musician, I'm, I just, I'm always listening and I would hear him walking around the house as a little guy, just singing. And I, I literally remember one time sitting in the bedroom doorway, listening to you out in the hallway, sing, right? And you're just working on this line and, and I could just see your little musical brain working because <laughs> yeah. you're taking this line and you're repeating it over and over, but you're providing variation on it. I'm thinking, that's really interesting, you know? <laughs> and I just kept listening to you over the years and it's like, man, he's got a musical brain, you know? Nice. So. Yeah. Right on. So how long was that going on for? Is that I mean it's still going on? Yeah. Is it? No, I mean, yeah. Obviously, we just, <laughs> we're still doing that. Uh, we we were doing it till like twelve last night. Actually, uh, we were we're working on a. Uh, yeah. Well, that's fine. Uh, we were um, we're working on an EP right now. Actually, nice. uh, six or seven songs that we're trying to record, and we were getting the the demo tracks down for that. Um, and yeah, it's been it's been seven years now. I'm eighteen now, and uh, we've written like forty songs about. Right. Uh, not all good, obviously. Uh, <laughs> so are, but, uh, are some of these the ones that are going to make it on the EP? Yeah, yeah. And it'll be, uh, yeah, it's all original EP. Uh, we're going to play two of them, uh, obviously, or maybe maybe two, one or two today. Yes, we're going to squeeze them yeah. in. <laughs> and, we'll make uh, sure we do. How tough is it to choose? I mean, I said, I know, you, I mean, not all of them are winners. To, yeah. to your, in your mind, they aren't, but I mean, who knows outside? Right. So how do you choose out of all those songs which top six or seven make it? Um. Well, a lot of it has to do with just how how interesting is it, how catchy is it. I always loved. We were just watching a documentary uh, uh, of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and the guitarist uh, he he said they had a saying, uh, "Don't bore us, get to the chorus." And we <laughs> have always we've always tried to live by that. You know, I mean, music has to be interesting and creative and compli- You know, uh, well, not complicated, but but you know, cerebral to a certain extent. Sure, but. Don't bore us. Get to the chorus. Uh, We've always tried to live yeah. by that, so that's definitely number one on the list. But then um, words are a, a big part of what we do. We just we always everything that we do has to mean something and has to to impact people in some way. Because I always I always look at performing and and that really actually performing in like little places around uh, you know Arizona, Cuisine Wine Bistro, uh, the Roadhouse. You know, well the Roadhouse isn't little; it's pretty big, but. Right. Uh, but these are all acoustic solo. No, or we would guys do acoustic. Want? We would do a band. We have a drummer, okay. uh, and we do electric stuff um, as well. Um, and I always, I always, when I was looking out uh, into the audience, you know, it's most people are eating, so they're not paying attention. But there was always one person, you know what I mean? And I can make eye contact with that person. And I knew that what I was doing was hitting them in some way, right. you know. And that was really important to me uh, to to know that, and that helped me 
to kind of realize that's kind of what I'm doing. That's what this is about. Right. You know, it's awesome. not about me. It's about the audience. Right. Right. Music is not for my personal gratification. I'm 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 the um, my my analogy is always the pin, the the human pincushion, right? Okay. I feel all the feelings that other people <laughs> feel at big moments in their life, right? And I take that and I put that into songs so that they can feel it when they want to, right? right on, man. The library of human emotion, you know. Right on. That's pretty mature for an 18-year-old man. Well, I was, I was <laughs> homeschooled, uh, so <laughs> I spent a lot of time with older people. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's rubbed off on you. And what about your musical interests as far as you know, growing up? What did you listen to? Well, at first, I listened to pretty much just the Beatles, a little bit of the Beach Boys, uh, and Christian music, uh, CCM. And then when I was about, I don't know what, t- t- 11 or 12 probably, when we actually started thinking about music for real... Um, uh, kind of widened out, and I'd listen to I don't know Switchfoot, um, Reliant K. Um, let me think. Uh, and then as I got older, I'd start getting into Radiohead, Audio Slave, Oasis, Coldplay, early Coldplay. Um, <laughs> I think uh, grunge. Right. Really like grunge, and then obviously classic rock, of course. Um, yeah. To an extent. Well, yeah. for being 18 years old, I mean, you'd have to be exposed to the classic rock, the older stuff yeah. from the you know way back when. So was was that as far as listening to that was that like I would say was it comfortable for you to listen to that kind of stuff or were you kind of like what is that and then you kind of grew into it. You know I, what's funny is I I've always I, I see music as a as a as a progression right and then cultural cycles you know like right now we're in the the 80s right because it's the 30 year cycle um, and uh, it's, <laughs> yes, it's this whole we are. Weird, yeah <laughs> and uh, and so um, I always I always look at things and I see I see how people learned from the past generation of, of cycles so it was really helpful for me to kind of to because I was a big fan of the 90s and then I went back to the like the 60s and 70s and I saw all those things I could see just like you were seeing my mind right uh, turning and I could see you know Kirk Cobain and, and Chris Cornell they were hearing all this stuff from the 60s and 70s and they were hearing something in there that they knew was important right. and then they improved upon it and I can just hear that and I just that fascinates me and that's kind of one of the things that I really focus on is I there's not everything is is great and awesome you know that's old but it is so important to learn from it you know that's right. just a, a big part of what I do right on man very yeah. cool but what about the Orwellian keyholes yeah the, <laughs> the Orwellian keyholes the Orwellian what is keyhole. that it was just this <laughs> it was just this really like Cerebral, stupid idea that I had had. I can't. I don't even remember what it was about. It was so convoluted. <laughs> so convoluted and, and ridiculous. That, but like, it may not be. Yeah. Well, the lyrics were like it's because one of my problems is that when I write um, lyrics by myself without music and he's not doing anything with me, I tend to write like sentences, not like lyrics, and then it just turns into like a rap, and I can't rap. Right. right. So we do run into that problem sometimes. Uh, so we're like song structure type of thing. Yeah. Or? Well, I have like a like a. 20, uh, 20 syllable line that has to fit into yeah 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 and it's like well what am I gonna do now right. you know <laughs> doesn't you know can make the song longer well I could <laughs> yeah but then we then we'd get into the don't bore us get to the chorus <laughs> problem that's yeah just we, make we a pre-chorus yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. great man well I mean that's so cool what a great experience for you to be you know to be eighteen and obviously you know, have that chance to be on the boys were a chance to you know, really expose your music out to the, to the world yeah. to the most part. And here you, you got that. And now you're you know, getting a little bit of, uh, I guess, some rewards from it, if you will. I Absolutely. Mean, very cool, man. I know you said you got a tour coming up, which is a home tour. Correct. Right. This is really cool, Heidi. I don't know if you know what's going on here. 
I but, don't know. Yes. En- <laughs> enlighten me, Kevin. Well, well, he's going to lighten us, actually. <laughs> I'm just going on what he told me is that the, the, the new thing these days is that they're called home tours. You play in someone's house. We're in whatever city, a fan that would host you. They would invite their friends over, and then you would just jam in, hmm. at a house party, more or less. Pretty, pretty true, right? I mean, yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, basically, it's just a, an artist can go on tour, and instead of playing at a club or at, you know, a bar or a restaurant, you know, they can just go directly to the fan in their house, and they can do, like, a potluck or whatever, and you have, you know, one or two fans, right, and then they'll invite their friends, and then you can make new fans so much faster than if you were to just go to a restaurant, and then, you know, one person signs up for your email list. Right. Yeah, but you here's know? the big rub and all that. Here's the big benefit, and we heard, you know, guys on The Voice talk oh, about yeah, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. that you're playing to people who are drinking, eating, talking about their work day, and that's right. what they should be doing. Right, that's right. what that's So what you, you got to get over the for. chatter and the noise and the clanking, and so people are not right. really listening to you, and we get that. You shouldn't be. But at a house concert, you're there sitting, listening attentively. They right. desire you to right. be there and play music expressly for that purpose. And that was on one of the bang. things, right. that was one of the big things about going to The Voice was that was my first experience going somewhere where people were coming to see me. Right. Not coming and I was right, interrupting so, whatever they were doing. Well, okay. they were going to see Adam Levine. Come on, let's just get Yeah, that. that's true, yeah. Well, Adam Levine was your coach on the, on the show. Correct, yeah. So, so we'll talk about that real quick, that feeling you have when you're actually, um, you know, not experienced with a, a crowd that's paying attention to you and all of a sudden your first experience of doing that is on national TV. I mean... Yeah, no. It I mean, was, how overwhelming was that, or was it? Did, did see what's, it go so fast? What was interesting was he has always been worried that I wouldn't have like just that like Roger Daltrey like rock kind of just like rah that thing. Presence kind <laughs> of yeah, thing. Yeah, basically, okay. and I was always concerned about that as well. But but whenever I would see um, somebody in a concert that wasn't moving, I just think how how could you stand still? Like <laughs> right. you're playing a rock song in front of three thousand people, dude. Like <laughs> right. what are you doing, right, man? Lose right. your mind. Right. And um, <laughs> and Liam so Gallagher, right? Yeah, yeah, like Liam Gallagher. That dude. It's boring. He doesn't even he doesn't even put his hands in front of like he doesn't even hold the mics. Right. He just puts them behind his back. Yeah, we don't hack him off. No, no, he's great. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he, yeah, he'll come after us. No, but uh, you know. Um, the the first time that I got to really do like a rock rock song, um, you know, I mean, Ordinary World isn't it's, it's not rock out, you know, it's a great song. It's a Duran really, Duran song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not like a, it's not like Carry On Your uh, Wayward Son. Right. And the, when I got to do that song, I just I remember being on stage and I think my voice cracked and I was singing a line. And I just had this big smile on my face because right. like this is it, dude. This is what I'm supposed to do. You know right. what I mean? That just that moment where you know that you've been working towards something for so long and you just took a huge step towards it you know right what I mean on. and uh and yeah that was great I remember for Ordinary World um I was concentrating on the judges um I don't know why because they weren't looking at me yet uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was the back of the chair because they turned around right but uh but I remember freaking out in the verse because we'd literally we'd spent a month basically just focusing on getting the right vocal tone for the verse because mm. uh, it's such a you know he's got such a specific kind of voice and I I couldn't do his voice so we had to find something else that worked and um and so we'd spent so much time on that and i remember thinking basically as soon as the verse was finished like oh great i'm i totally messed that up like that's <laughs> it was if you listen back to the recording i'm like you know came in from it's terrible right. but uh, <laughs> uh and then i remember as soon as the chorus hit i remember looking over at just some random person in the audience and i made eye contact with them and it was like i'm good because right. as soon as i make eye contact with them i know that i'm 
doing it right. right. You know right, what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. So that was a big that was a big thing for me. I think that's really cool, man. It seems like you really understand where you're what you're going through. It seems like you're really comprehending of of this experience that you know yeah. that you're you are young. You know, you are learning as you're going, and it's just an experience that you have to learn and draw from. For, yeah. Down the road, and I've had the advantage of that not a lot of the uh, musicians um, get, which is I've wanted to do this since I was basically four. You know, mm. I've know I've known that I wanted to be a musician since I was a little kid, not necessarily maybe a, a front man, a lead singer, but I've known for a long time that this is what I wanted to do. So, so when something happens, I've already been thinking about that and obsessing over it for a you know a decade right. or more. You know, and then here comes your opportunity. Right. You know, right, and uh, which is kind of a and kind of an interesting thing that I think wouldn't happen before now because now that music and the explosion of music in the you know like the 20th century right has kind of happened right music has become this thing that is like you know a third of culture you know we think about that kind of stuff and I got that advantage of being able to like be able to like okay I'm going to plan out my career like this just like that guy you know what I mean whereas before it was just like, you know, hey, I'm just going to get a couple of my mates and we're going to, you know, lose our minds in a garage. Right. They, you know? Well, all that stuff was all figuring it out as you go along. I mean, even right. from the 50s and they 60s. They had to blaze the trail, you know? Right. They, they blazed the trail. Right. And, and it's changed so much since then, but there's still so many things that, that are the same. Right. And that's what's cool yeah. about it is that you can look back. It's there for you to Absolutely. learn from and to, yeah. you know, educate yourself from all these bands. You said you talked, you saw the Tom, the Tom Petty yeah. um, documentary. If you watch the Hired Gun documentary, yeah, you're, really you are going to learn it, yeah. a lot about the music industry. <laughs> yeah. it is, I'm, I, I can't tell you the, the, what a movie this is and how, how beneficial it would be to musicians out there. Um, it's just an incredible movie and an insight on the music industry, yeah. which everyone needs to know about. Yeah, you know, because not everybody who has a band makes it. Obviously, so right. what happens to these talented people? Absolutely. What do they do? Well, yeah. become a, su- a, a session artist. You know, a yeah. session musician. It's the best place you can be, according to a lot of these uh, big, big mega rock stars. <laughs> I mean, these are the guys they trust more than anybody. I was going off the the list of, of bands that Rudy's played with. Yes. It's nuts. Isn't it crazy? It's Blue so Easter crazy. Cult, Dio, I know, right? White Snake. Uh, we're going to talk to him in a few. I can't wait. This is going to be yeah. really exciting. <laughs> I want to hear from you, though. You guys have a couple of guitars in your hands. You guys are going to get set up right now. So yeah. why don't we do that? Um, get, we're ready yeah, to roll. Yeah, let me, let me uh, just Okay, so let's do this. I'm going to play... Um, let me play a song. Ouch. Uh, no, if you guys are ready, you guys are ready. I don't want to play. A song. It'll take we'll me like wait. two seconds just to point right. the camera at me. Perfect. Let's get that yeah. going here. Joshua West is with us here. Glenn is on the guitar. Good Heidi Gad, what's up, Heidi? Uh, let's um, do let's do Fable Time first. Looking forward to the next thirty minutes and <laughs> aliens with gas. Yeah, we're gonna talk about the uh, the Nazca body they found that alien right yeah, yeah dude there's yeah, some stuff happened this week there's a lot of stuff you know disclosure might come sooner than later <laughs> who knows but some people don't think it'll ever happen but we'll discuss that in about 40 minutes or so but in the meantime let's get the guitar mics up here and we got the sounds good you're gonna drop that mic over we're gonna pull that one mic over too okay, cool, yeah. so once you drop are you gonna stand yeah okay yeah so why don't you uh yeah, we'll figure this out. <laughs> we got this covered. I'm telling you, you know, we're, we're we're band-aiding this studio here to put this together. This studio is not really made for live music, to be honest. We have a great microphone, so when you plug them up to the guitars, it does sound amazing. 
I want to be too loud, though. All right, I got you. Upon leaving, we will have to trash the place like a hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> there will just be leave a your hole, credit card. hole in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so go ahead, just uh, introduce the song, and uh, we'll, we'll see how this goes. All right, the song is called Fable Time, and it's just kind of about reclaiming the spirit of the hero. One, two.
Wonderful man, thank you. Very, very well done. Thank you. Love your voice, man. It's, oh. It definitely resonates, man. I'll tell you that much. You know, it's been like a weird odyssey. <laughs> hey, get on that mic oh, real sorry. quick. Yeah, that's all good. Yeah, it was great. It's been yeah, a weird vocal odyssey for me. Yeah, did you learn a lot of the voice? I did absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, see, but my I was classically trained, kind of, because there's kind of two main vocal schools that I learned, which was like classical, op- not opera, but classical singing, right? And then uh, this thing called Seth Seth Riggs, I believe. Um, uh, voice level singing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been a coach to many. Yes, and uh, and uh, so so I learned both of those styles uh, kind of combined when I was starting out, and that really was a good solid foundation. But right. then I went right before the voice because uh, my vocal coach moved uh, to Cordis Junction. I believe, um, and uh, that's far, everybody. Just in case. You yeah, know. <laughs> <laughs> not not close, and uh, so. Um, I had to just find somebody right before the voice just so I could get back into shape, basically, okay, right. from a, like a technical perspective. Right. And I went to this opera guy, and he's a great that's just the, That was the word in my head he's, right now, yeah, opera. No, he's so <laughs> smart. Like, he's, I actually, he's kind of like, because my dad is a guitar teacher, and he's, I, he, he doesn't sell himself enough. He's a musical theory genius, and he's an excellent teacher, like, unbelievable teacher. Right Good job. Um, which is a, Good job, Glenn. Both of my parents are teachers. Yeah, I did yes. not inherit that trait. Uh, but, um, you can learn it. Yeah, but uh, but he was excellent at what he did. Unfortunately, it uh, was too f- quick of a change, like right before the voice. Right. So I was kind of having to fight my way through that. And then I, when gotcha. I went to the voice, they had this vocal coach. She's fantastic. Or I think her name is uh, I can't remember her last name. Trelawney. Uh, she's a lovely woman. She's so nice and sweet, and she's super smart too. Uh, excellent vocal coach. And um, and she um, she really helped me to get more into a rock area. Uh, she helped me really kind of just technically get closer to something that I'd, I'd been wanting for a while, which just was a rockier sound. Um, and so that's all those different things have really helped me to, excuse me, um, in our different songwriting styles, because we tend to try and write as, as varied as possible. Well, I imagine, right? Yeah. I mean, you, if you had that, right. vocal, that, that vocal range, right. the wider it is, the better it is for you. Absolutely. I mean, the more things you can do with it. So I mean, we've been trying to do just as many different styles as we can. Well, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, you got a, a great voice. You're 18 years old, and there's a long road ahead of you. I mean, it's it sounds like you got a great plan ahead, man. I'm really excited for you as Thank well. Thank you. I appreciate I, that, guess. Absolutely, man. Yeah. yeah, you sound great, and that's a great song. And like you say, get to the chorus, right? Don't yeah. bore us. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded really good, man. Thank you. It'll be cool to see the progression. Right, right. You know, Absolutely. We got a great start at that, man. Coming to a couch near you. Coming yeah. to a couch <laughs> near you. Yes, he's on the home tour. Yeah. Uh, you got that all laid out as well. Awesome. Um, well, hey, we're gonna uh, go. We're gonna change courses for just a, for a few minutes here. I'm really excited about this because there's a new documentary out, a hired gun. And this is about musicians, studio musicians, session musicians, if you will, being hired to play with bands. 
on stage, on tour, and sometimes on albums as well. And uh, one of the stars of the movie is with us on the phone. All right. I, I'm like having heart palpitations <laughs> he right is. here, you Heidi. Guys should see his face <laughs> is like, <laughs> he looks like a little kid at a candy store. I, well, we have Rudy Sarzo on, legendary bass player. He's on the phone with us. And I can tell you, he played with Ozzy, Quiet Riot, White Snake. He played with Dio, Blue Isher Cult. He's now playing with the guests who, and and we get to talk to him right now. I'm super excited about this. Right, Rudy Sarzo. Are you here yet? Hello, I'm here. Rudy, how you doing? I hear you all. Yes, I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for taking your time to give us a call. My pleasure. So Hired Gun is the movie. You are a hired gun. Just how did that get started for you? Well, you know what? I have been, and I'm, you know, a hired gun, and also I've been a founding member, such as Quiet Riot. I was the founding member of the mental health version of Quiet Riot. I was the second member of Quiet Riot, and not a, a hired gun, you know, during the Randy Rhodes era, because I was full band member. So I, what I bring to the documentary is the experience of being in both situations, you know, so working, you know, playing for Ozzy as a hired gun, and then actually with White Snake, it was. You know, we had a, a different arrangement. We were not necessarily a higher gun. And then with Dio, I was a higher gun. And, and now uh, with the, I'm playing with the guess who. And, you know, it's... But then again, if you look at the history of a lot of musicians, very famous musicians who are not considered higher gun, they started out as a higher gun. I mean, even the Beatles were hired by a singer named Tony Sheridan to uh, record <laughs> My Bonnie Lies Over the Ocean. Uh, <laughs> you can find this. Yeah, you can find this on YouTube. They were, you know, that happened when they were in Hamburg and they were recording. You know, they were playing there and uh, they got hired by this guy. So, you know, Jimi Hendrix was a hired gun for for Little Richard and and Aisley, uh, the Aisley Brothers, and and Jimmy Page was a hired gun in the studio and John Paul Jones. You know, half of Led Zeppelin, and the history goes on and on and on. So, you know, it's it's we have in the documentary a lot of musicians who actually, like Steve Lukather, who had a career, has a career as a hired gun, in addition to being a founding member of Toto. You have Ray Parker Jr., who uh, started out as Stevie Wonder's guitar player when he was a teenager, and of course he's had a huge career for himself with radio and as Ray Parker Jr., with Ghostbusters and so on. So do you think, in, in essence, almost every band has a hired gun on with them to a certain degree? How many, how many bands really start off with all the original members and are still together as the original members? I mean, you always see people yeah, dropping off. That is a really good point. But originally, the band was a band. You know, when I first got asked to join Ozzy, I was in a band called Angel. And I was sleeping on the floor. I was starving because the, the band had just lost the record deal to Casablanca. But I was in a band, you know, and that's the reason why I moved from Florida, Miami, to come to L.A. and go through all the trials and tribulation of making it. And But I really recommend to any musician out there who's, who's starting out that if you ever get the opportunity to play for somebody, I, that's an incredible education that you're going to get, you know, that you were not going to get by just playing in clubs. I mean, if you if, if you're asked by a recording artist or a touring artist and you've never been on tour or being, you know, a recording artist before, that's an incredible education that you're not going to get anywhere else. It's true. That, that just, you know, for you, I mean, you know, j- jumping in with Ozzy Osbourne, um, you know, I know you toured with him. Your name's on the album of uh, Diary of a Madman, but you're not so on actually, the- Yeah, um, the, the photo, 
of, of that band with Tommy Aldridge, Randy, Ozzy, and myself, that was taken after the record was recorded. Right. The originally, the record was recorded by Bob Baisley and Lee Kerslake as a rhythm section, the same as Blizzard of Oz. Tommy and I were on tribute and Speak of the Devil. Right. Those are the two Aussie records that we both played together. But with Whitesnake, I recorded the uh, Slip of the Tongue record. Right. You know, and uh, the 87 record was done before the band, uh, that configuration, did the uh, uh, the Still of the Night video, which is the first one we did, and then followed by Here I Go Again and It's This Love. Right. <laughs> what an amazing album that was, man. I, oh, absolutely. I, I wanna go, I, can I go back to the Aussie um, live albums real quick? I want to ask you this. I read this about Speak of the Devil. It was recorded twice, once during the day with no crowd and then once at night, so you had a safety valve of a, of a backup uh, recording. And from what I understand, that three of those songs that were recorded with no audience made it to the album. Is that true? You know, it's hard to tell because they were all performed exactly the same way. <laughs> and what happens is that, that daytime recording was actually sound check. And, you know, you're, you're on stage, you're doing sound check, and you, there's a truck outside of the building you have no idea what's going on whether tape is rolling or not you just play <laughs> and that is it so whether they use it or not you know we just play the song exactly the same way at soundcheck as we did in front of people so that's crazy what was, was what was it your experience with ozzy osbourne i mean i mean this is you know he just was you know on his own and here you are playing with them and this guy is a legend at that time even yeah you know it gave me a career uh, because prior to that, I, I was just a guy sleeping on a floor in Kevin DeBrow's apartment. <laughs> so uh, it, everything about it was fantastic, except for Randy's uh, death right. during during the 1982 uh, Diary of the Mad tour. And um, I wrote a book about it. It's called Off the Rails. So if anybody's interested in actually, you know, reading, you know, everything that happened during or following and post his. Uh, his death, you know, it's all right there. Yeah, and I didn't realize that was actually one of the reasons why you left Ozzy um, from from that point. Is that correct? Is that something that you... Uh... Yeah, because, you know, Randy died, and within about a week, we were back on the road again, you know. Sharon decided not to cancel the tour because she knew. She knew that if Ozzy would have just gone home, he would have drank himself to death. So even with that Speak of the Devil tour, I mean, you know, and, and from a fan's uh, point of view... You know, that's Ozzy at his rawest, his rarest, or, you know, I just, it feels like that was him just so, a lot of angst with him on that show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was a different show after Randy passed away because obviously Randy wasn't there and he's, he was such a huge part of everything about the band, you know. Uh, yeah, I, by the time that, that Randy had passed away and we continued touring, it was just a matter of surviving emotionally the show on stage right i mean that must have been tough for you man i mean i don't know just to think about it. watching the movie hired gun and, and hearing you tell your story about that and here comes brad gillis filling filling in and you know i mean it worked but it, it just didn't feel right is for you personally yeah but it, it was so painful that i left one of the biggest bands in the world for the complete unknown right. which was quiet riot at the time <laughs> right yeah. which turned out to be a mega band i mean at the most part i mean yeah, you're the, but, yeah. trust me no, that, you can you can foretell that right <laughs> well that's true right you could not i mean that's but it, it worked out for you i mean you had it no, yeah it did you know it did but uh 
But, uh, you know, it's, it, it, yeah, it, it was really a blessing in disguise, but you, I had no idea. Nobody, nobody did. Right. Nobody did. So let's talk about some of the other bands that you were with. You 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 played with uh, Blue Oyster Cult. You played with Dio. Um, how, how did that work out with Dio? Because I know Dio, you know, and Ozzy had their thing going on. Was that was that ever brought up, or it seems like Dio would be kind of a cool guy not to bring that up? Yeah, it, it was never brought up. You know, Ronnie is all about being you know a total gentleman and and the, and the complete professional and. It was all about focusing on what we're doing on the road or, or what, you know, songs he happened to be working on, you know, the, the new material. Uh, by the time he passed away in, in 2010, he already had been working on the follow-up to an album called Magica. It was going to be Magica 2 and 3. Unfortunately, it never came to fruition. Hmm. Yeah, he was one of my favorites as well. Um, Rudy Sarzo is with us here on the phone, and uh, you are going global with Gas Man here on the VoiceAmerica.com Variety Channel. Heidi Gad is with us. I don't know if you have a question, Heidi, or not. But uh, It's just so funny how excited Kevin is right now. I just want to <laughs> bring that up again. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm a big metalhead, dude. So I, you know, I'm watching you on stage as well, Rudy. You have such a, a style that's so different from any other bass player. You know, and back in the early days, you know, in the 80s, everyone talked about guitar players. You know, it was you know, Neil Sean. It was Eddie Van Halen, you know, whoever it was. And and here you are, a bass player, and, and you rose to the top. You you were a name along with those guitar players. Well, I I, I am very blessed to have played play with some of the greatest, and you know it's it's the company that you keep. Right. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, you know playing with Randy Rhodes and Steve Vai and Adrian Vandenberg, and I even got to play with with Inve, You know, as far as guitar players go, so it was like you know. It was phenomenal. <laughs> that's, uh, that's so cool, man. I mean, like, let me ask you a question as far as being uh, a hired gun to a certain degree. When Do you ever have a situation where you had to choose between a couple of bands? It's happened, you know, be, between projects and things like that. It's especially, well, right now I'm playing with the guess who. So that's my priority. Right. And, you know, being a hired gun, it's, it's you know, it, it is definitely a turn, but, but it's something that, that, I look forward to it because, you know, I like to do different projects, play with different people. And even when I was in, like, really big bands, for example, how I rejoined Quiet Riot, what became known as the Mental Health Quiet Riot, was I was playing with Ozzy, and I got this phone call from Kevin Dubrow, and he says, listen, uh, I'm working on this record, and, and would you like to come down and play on Thunderbird, which is a song that he wrote after Randy left Quiet Riot to join Ozzy. And I used to play that song with him in a band called Dubrow that he had. And I said, sure, I'll come down. So right there, I was being a higher gun, hmm. you know, even though I was playing with Ozzy, but here I am, you know, going into studio with somebody else and, then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be performing. Right. So, but that was the song that got me back into being a member of Quiet Riot again. Uh, because when... When I went in, we, t- we did like a couple of takes of the song. And then Kevin goes, well, you know, we got time. Uh, do you remember Slick by Cadillac? You know, that was the song that we used to play with the Randy Rhodes version of the band. I said, yeah, just let, let's go over a couple of times, see, you know, see if I remember it. And we tracked it right there. And then we did a couple of other songs that Kevin and I used to play in Dubrow. <laughs> and by the time I left, I had almost half the record done. You know, and then... Shortly after, I made the decision to move on from playing with Ozzy and rejoin this this band, Quiet Riot. You know, and uh, and and 
you know, the reason why I did it is because being in the in in that room that day that I recorded those four songs, being in that room with Kevin and Frankie and Carlos, who I knew from the LA area, that gave me back joy of playing music, mm. yeah. which is what I had lost after Randy passed away. I I, I really lost that joy, and to me, that, that's you know, it, it that's priceless. Yeah. Well, you you have one of the biggest smiles of rock and roll, man. I'll just say that when you when you are playing, it does show, does look like you are enjoying it, and that, that feeds off the audience. I know that for sure. Um, Heidi? So I was just gonna say too, it's so amazing how small the circles are. Like when you start hearing about these different bands, you know that everybody, everybody knows each other, right? Yeah, or everyone you know kind of you know touch the edge of that band, right? But I was yeah, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to ask you, um, you know, you've had a lot of experience with all these different studios and all these sorts of things. What do you think is the one lesson that stands out the most in your mind? Because, you know, you're going to learn something every single time you play with someone different or record under someone different. Like, is there anything that stands out? Yeah, that's a really great question. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you for, 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 for asking. Um uh, well, I, I can easily say that 90% of everything that I learn about the music industry, uh, I learned from Sharon Osbourne. Uh, she was, they weren't even married then, so it's just Sharon Arden, but, you know, we all know her, Sharon Osbourne. Right. I was, you know, I knew that I was, when I joined the band, and I said, because Sharon traveled with us everywhere, you know, she was part of the entourage, and she managed the band, and she took care of everything on a daily basis. It was just, you know, one band, one bus, and we're all together. And I watched her. I watched her pull out some incredible, uh, 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 almost, you know, impossible things, you know. So that was my major learning experience. After that, I will have to say Ronnie James Dio. Just when I thought that I knew everything about the music industry, I got to work with him, and he just took me to a whole different level. You know, but I, I, I'm always open. You know, it's all, always about learning and growing. For sure. You know, not only as a musician, but as a member of the music industry. Yeah, isn't that, how you, in a sense, you, you know, you have to be good at adapting to what the band you're joining is doing. I mean, you're you're kind of like, the, you know, the newbie, the new kid on, right. on the block, and here you are, you know, have to act like you've been in the band for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, know? absolutely. Uh, every time that I join a group, I study it or research it. Even before I play the first note, I go back to the original recordings, especially if it's a legacy band that has a catalog, like let's say the guest room. Right. I go to all, and, and often, very often, you know, I mean, uh, in fact, today I was doing that. I was practicing and I went back to the original records, you know, listen to what what's being played, because that to me is it's what the audience is used to. It is what I'm, I am used to growing up listening to, to the guests who. Right. So, you know, you, you, you want to do justice to the legacy, and you want to be able to cater to the audience that, that is expecting a certain performance from you. Yeah. Well, you did, didn't you say uh, what you're doing today reflects on tomorrow? Absolutely. And, I mean, and you mentioned the word adaptation, and, and that's, that's such a key. To me, it's all about adaptation and also trust, trust factors. You know, a young musician asks me, uh, you know, for advice about the music industry, and I tell them, listen, you know, you're you're going to have to be able to play, of course, but if you're not trustworthy, you know, you're not going to get anywhere in the music industry. Uh, people will call you back because they trust you at, at every single level. 
You know? and, and that was one of the points of the movie was those three those three things. First, you got to be an amazing musician. Second, you got to be cool. And third, you got to be able to you know hang with everybody at least on the road and be able to get along with everybody. Those three things are are important to be to be to be a hired gun. You know, this is also a fragile industry. You know, there's also uh, sad stories in this movie where you know the Billy Joel story is is not all peaches. You know, it's not, it's <laughs> it's not, not the, all rainbows and unicorns. Yes, yeah, not so. <laughs> You know, I mean, your, your legacy is safe. You're, you're fine. As far as younger musicians coming up in the world, what would you give them as far as advice if they wanted to become a studio uh, a session musician or maybe a hired gun down the road? Yeah, well, you know, as far as being a session musician, since I'm not really a session musician, but I am somebody who, you know, joins bands. We go on tour. We, we, we record. You know, we have a certain career together. Again, be the best musician you can be. Uh, if you're joining a legacy band, study the, uh, study their catalog, study everything about them, and gain their trust, and 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 have a great sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody fires the funniest guy in the band. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's your safety that valve. Gotta, he's got a gig forever. Yeah, <laughs> I love it, man. That's great. That's awesome. Well, I, I really appreciate you uh, giving us a little insight on what your uh, career has been about. And it's it's fascinating, man. I, I mean, all the music you've been you know, been a part of has, has touched a lot of people. And I appreciate that. And I want to thank you for uh, for being you, Rudy. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for your support with Hired Gun, the documentary. Absolutely. Rudy Sarzo on the phone with us. I, I appreciate it. And uh, we'll let you go. And uh, we'll, I'll look for you in the movie. Thank you, Kevin. All right. You, you got it. God bless. Right on. Rudy Sarzo. Awesome. How cool is that? It's a good time. Oh, man. All right. <laughs> I got to play. I got to I gotta uh, play a song. We'll come back. And we'll hear one more live song from Joshua West, who's hanging out with us. Pretty much Kevin just has to go outside and jump and scream right now. <laughs> That's what's about to happen. We'd Be Heroes is the band. <laughs> And the song, the song is called So Long, and they're from right here in Phoenix, Arizona. So take a listen to this. We'll be right back here on Going Global with Gas. Man. We'd Be Heroes is the band, and So Long is the tune. I really dig that song. It's kind of a fun, fun little jam yeah. right there. Uh, I want to thank Rudy Sarzo. I mean, how often do I get to say that on the show? Well, yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, you know, we didn't ask him about aliens. Oh, no. Oh, that's probably why you were like, Heidi, do you have a question? No. Then I didn't even pick it up. Dang. I was too like, whoa, uh, dude, what's happening right now? All right, we'll do it again. I didn't, yeah. want, to, <laughs> I didn't want to make an idiot of myself. Yeah. Uh, some stupid question. Oh, uh, no, I wouldn't think uh, it would be stupid at all. What would you have asked him? I have no idea. <laughs> you don't know. Like, there's so many things that you I can know. ask somebody that has that much experience, you know? Right. Exactly. And, and you can't dwell on too much, but I, I, de- I definitely want to know about that uh, the Speak of the Devil uh, show. They, they said three of those yeah. songs I recorded with no right. crowd was on the album. And yeah. I think even the producer says, if you listen to the album with headphones, you can probably pick out which oh. songs are not with the crowd. Yeah. So I just wanted to get that insight in there. <laughs> I would want to know what a Spinal Tap moment was. Yeah, oh, yeah, that would have been kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. I'll write that like, down. What kind of long hallway did you get stuck in? <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on. All right, Joshua West is with us here, and Glenn, his father, is also on guitar, and we are going to have another song from him. What do you, what do you play this time? He's got the mics all ready to yeah. go, too, like we did before. So. I knew that. <laughs> I know. Tell us what this song's about. Uh, th- uh, hold on. Sorry. Can I get this? Can you get that up? Is so this one is called Don't Make Me Laugh, and this one is actually about uh, mm-hmm. our, a character on our favorite TV show called Community, and the character's name is uh, Jeff Winger, and it, he just kind of inspired this 
this idea of this character. Uh, there's another character named uh, Troy. Uh, and he's kind of like, they have like a father-son kind of brothery thing, and it was just this really interesting relationship. It's a comedy, but I, I always found the characters very deep <laughs> and human, and, and so this song is basically about kind of their relationship in a way. Take it away. No strength to fight, no 
Thank you very much. I like the lyrics. I, I I just feel like there's some substance to it, you know. And I really appreciate that. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. I think. Good lot, stuff. Yeah, I think there's a lot of times where like, we were talking before the show even started how there's really not a lot to the music anymore. It's more for your background of you know, like you said, doing doing work, or whatever it is, or some other kind of you know, whatever. <laughs> it's not it's not the main focus of uh, of listening anymore, you know. Absolutely. And I think that's I think when you have lyrics that accompany a great music, you know, music, it. it rises above you know thank you yeah, yeah. you're welcome you're welcome because really those the the best songs in the world are not just musical but also lyrical Absolutely. you know it's got to be a combination yeah. of both of bob those dylan, you know well bob dylan i mean yeah. beatles i mean just not not everyone gets to make those combinations work the yeah. best way that they can so yeah, i think you have a good one here thank you very much you are most welcome joshua west you want to tell people where they can find you yeah you can find me on uh, facebook youtube reverb nation instagram google plus soundcloud twitter and joshuasmusic.com and you can also email us at joshwest the number four music at gmail.com if you're interested <laughs> in a house concert or something yes or, and uh, you can sign up for our email list on our website so you can get an email whenever we release a new recording or if we're playing a show in your area yes yeah, so you're doing you, you are touring the country on a house yes. party which is uh, uh-huh. When's that start? How, uh, yeah, house concert tour will start um, uh, September. Um, yeah, and then um, if you want one of those, be sure to shoot us a Facebook message. I love or it. T- Instagram, whatever. We're on everything. Okay? <laughs> but we're not going to help you drag your couch into your basement. So <laughs> yeah, have there a pre-made. No entering the basement. <laughs> no, no, no basement parties. Right, exactly. And all, I, I noticed that you're at the hometown Christmas parade in Glendale. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's a little local love right there. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Uh, that was kind of cool. Uh, it was kind of a nice little surprise, actually, because we, we had a contacted from them right after I got off the voice and then we didn't hear anything from them uh, and then we were like well we, we were looking and we were like okay what happened right and we couldn't find the guy's contact information so we went onto the website and I was on the website and we were like oh okay good yeah that's well, funny. Well, very cool. Thanks for coming in. I really, really do appreciate yeah. this, no, man. Thank you very much. And good luck. I know we'll have to cross paths down the road absolutely. again. And I continued success, man. Thank you. I appreciate absolutely, it. Absolutely, Josh. Yeah. Absolutely. Glenn, you. you got it. All right. Yes. Appreciate it. You bet, man. Absolutely. Let's just hit the top of the hour and we'll come right back with some aliens with gas. Up in smoke That's where my money goes In my lungs And sometimes up my nose When troubled times Begin to bother me 
I take a toke and all my cares go up in smoke. <laughs> up in smoke, donde todo es libre. There are no signs que dicen. Y me doy un buen toque Y después I choke Y todo mis cares Go up in smoke Come on, let's go get high Up in smoke That's where I wanna be Better. Jedi or the Empire Strikes Back? Empire. Blasphemy. What if I told you I'd take you to a place you'd never been and do something to you that's never been done? You got to check it out. It'll boogie woogie on your brain. Open your mind real wide now. Freaking out, man. You are freaking out, man. We have found so far three bodies of 60 centimeters and one body which is uh, almost five feet long. Both bodies don't look to be human. They have very important differences, especially in the hands and the feet. Uh, the big body, which looks human in many, many ways, it's also uh, very different because the head is very large. It doesn't have ears. The eyes seems to be very big. All of these uh, mummies that were found are thousands of years old. The first mummy that we investigate, the large one, is at least 17, 1800 years old. And that means that uh, it couldn't be considered in any way a hoax, a fake. Besides, we are doing analysis, DNA analysis, and also carbon-14 analysis. As I told you, we know that this is almost 2,000 years old, uh, which means that they are absolutely real. 
Aliens. With gas. Man. That's Collective Evolution Video with Jaime Musan. He's an investigative journalist out in wow. Peru talking about the new discovery they just found. Dude, that is a trip and a half. Did you see it? I did. Yeah. We I have it. Yeah. Saw the photo, yeah. Yeah, we have it posted on our Aliens with Gas page on Facebook. If you want to follow along, you're more than welcome to. Um, it's just a mummified body. And there's three fingers on each hand, and there's three toes in each foot, and it's wrapped up like a t- typical mummy style. And it seems like a very tall being. Well, they said about five feet tall. Is oh, what the, uh, maybe was, it's just the <laughs> angle of the photo. Yeah, it was, <laughs> was the largest one. But, um, you know, this is out in, at the, the Nazca lines out in Peru. So, mm. of course, we all know that that's kind of the, what, um, the, the airport for aliens, right. if you want to go there. <laughs> the alien... Uh, landing yeah the landing right exactly <laughs> so you know I, I looked at that and i'm thinking all right look first of all i i went to the page of is it a hoax right you know people are thinking like well the people who are involved in this are usually involved in other nefarious type of videos right. and stories so how much can you take this as truth how much can you take it as make-believe right you know i mean well but that uh jamie masson he's a pretty well-known uh ufologist as far as i know like I've seen a lot of stuff from him. Right. Well, this uh, broke out. I think the the Gaia Network. I think broke the video out, if I'm not mistaken. And everybody's got their hands on it now. So we're gonna hear a few more clips from Jaime. I, nice. So like, it's this little interview that I chopped up from that Collective Evolution video. Again, it's on our our uh, our Facebook page, Aliens with Gas. So check that out if you can. But right now the. <laughs> Kevin's still in shock from the Rudy interview. Yeah, we we interviewed Rudy Sarzo about half an hour ago. It was a, it was a blast. Um, we didn't ask him about aliens though, which I'm really upset Ugh, about. We should have. <laughs> the extraterrestrial rock show has begun. Uh, thank you for tuning in right here on the radio Sunday nights at 9 p.m. on 99.1 FM in the East Valley and on 93.9 FM in the West Valley of Phoenix, Arizona, and then we we release it to the podcast hounds <laughs> on Monday morning. So. Got a lot of listens this week. It's very yeah. cool. Got a few, uh, another uh, response from somebody from Australia. Yeah, I saw that. Did you? About the Fargo show? Fargo show. Right. I haven't seen that yet. Have you seen any of it? No, I haven't seen it. I, I have an antenna for my TV. Remember, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I just assumed. The, <laughs> the only time I get internet is when I'm at work, so I'm <laughs> not quite sure they'd be happy with me watching Fargo at work. <laughs> but apparently there was a scene in Fargo. This is the TV show now we're talking about. Where a UFO came in and saved a character's life, and the and our friend who wrote us, he's like, "Do you know any thing? Is there any validity to this? Because Fargo is a true story." Hmm. And of course, yeah. I, now, like, yeah. Well, I had to do a little googling. Okay. <laughs> so I, I'm I, glad you did because I didn't. Because yeah, I, I was curious. I, I did find out. Um, actually, it's just another fun addition to the show. Right. It, it just adds a little more because he was saying back in the day there was Star Wars just came out, Close Encounters just came out. Yeah. So the Fargo show was set in the late 70s. So the director was wanted to keep that kind of vibe going. Gotcha. So that's why he threw in the aliens. Unless maybe that happened to the director and he's deflecting. <laughs> he yeah, right. Put it in there. Who isn't deflecting here, right? <laughs> Everyone's deflecting. No more deflecting, please. <laughs> Oh, boy. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that was that. So I want to thank Kieran, who uh, sent us an email. So I appreciate that. And thanks for listening yeah. in. Down under. 
Yeah, Australia is far away away. We have a few people listening to us from out there, and really, that's yeah. really cool. We got to make a show out there. Yeah, we should. So Australia, let's do a little kick. Uh, let's do a, a house tour. A house tour. <laughs> we should totally do that. I think that's a great idea. We just had uh, musician Joshua West with us. He was on the TV show The Voice, and he's going on a house tour where he performs at houses. So there's no reason why we can't take aliens with gas to your house and do it in your living room. Right. I mean, you can have dinner while we're doing the show. We don't care. <laughs> just, just feed us. Just feed us. <laughs> we'll take the scraps, man. <laughs> um, Fargo's on Netflix, by the way. So so we uh, we talked to Rudy Stars the last hour, so I'm, I'm kind of getting the vibe of a little metal. Yes, finally. I know. So I got a bunch of uh, hard rock tunes we're going to play here tonight that have the alien themes. As we know, the theme does go across all gen- genres of music. Absolutely. As we heard a sure. c- country song back in the 50s. Yeah. Ella Fitzgerald. Yeah. There are no limitations. There aren't. There's a lot of punk rock music with that as well. But I do want to play another clip from that cat, yeah. Jaime, because I think it's very important to, to listen to this. Now, we're, he's going to go into a conversation about um, you know, the government and you know who is in control of this mm-hmm. body right now. And, and that's important, too, because you know once it gets into the wrong hands, you know, forget about it. Right. It's like where they put the ark. Just disappears, the, man. At the end of the yeah, right. And they, then they're like, nothing to see here. So here's another part of that uh, interview. This is Jaime Musan is his name, and he's a, an investigative journalist. And this is from the Collective Evolution video. They were found in a tomb in Nazca, Peru, by a vaquero, which is a robber of uh, tombs, uh, back in December 2015. Uh, because of the all the investigation that was done, we were convinced that this was absolutely real. And at that moment, we decided to continue the investigation because we believe it's the first time we have in our possession, we human beings, we civil people from around the world have in our possession something that has been reserved to governments all around the world. Uh, This time we have the physical evidence that everyone was asking for to prove that we have been visiting the past and probably these creatures were able to to, to live along our, our ancestors and probably they were responsible for some of the knowledge and the advanced architectonics that we have seen in many of the ruins around the world. For that reason, this is a very historical event and I hope now that it's out, that nobody is going to be able to to, to stop this, uh, and people around the world will know what we have been trying to tell them for so long. Wow. Right. Remember I said that. I said with yeah. the government's holding back this information, and what is it going to take a YouTube video to right. wake everyone up or to have that that ultimate proof? Yeah. This is in line of having that ultimate proof right now. Well, and it sounds like they're going to go through the necessary steps to keep it very scientific. Well, what they're going to do is, yeah, they're going to send it out for a DNA test, and another clip will explain a little bit more of that. But, you know, it looks like a paper mache. It looks fake. Right. It does. I mean, but how often do we get to see something that's 1,800 years old? Right. <laughs> so. Well, and if they can get a DNA sample out of it, it's definitely not paper mache. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I think they did a maybe a, a, like an MRI of it or something. They saw wow. bones inside of it. So it could be, who knows, a manipulated body. It could be, you know, right. a deformity. But, you know, I don't, I don't think that would be the case. I mean, this is an, a unique looking. Right. You know, yeah, I mean, it could be a deformity of a, you know, human, or maybe it's 
you know, some leftover Neanderthal mixed with a human gone wrong. Right. But how do we know? We won't until they do the DNA. Right. We don't know. But it sure looks weird. But then again, you know, (laughs) right, it sure does look weird. I mean, it looks legit to a certain degree. Again, until we can get that DNA test. You know, the results will obviously figure out what is going on. And, and if this is legit and it is real, I mean, that's going to, I mean, what do you, I mean, do you think they really will tell you that this is a real non-human? Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, are they really ready to do that? Right. Are they going to, like, pay people off to get them to not say anything? Right. Do we know exactly, like, where they found it? Like, was it in a cave? Were they digging something up? Apparently, there's some kind of tomb in that area. Oh. Um, some French archaeologists found it. Yeah. So they've been sitting on this for a little bit to make sure, I think, before they tell everyone that right. it, what we have. Oh, man. Maybe they already did the DNA test, and that's why they didn't release it right away. Possible. Hmm. Possible. I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those fascinating stories that, again, you know, is this even a distraction, you know, right. could this be all set up and to be fake? I know. You know, Ugh. so why can't everyone just tell the truth everywhere and be cool with like no sarcasm, just like to the point. Right. I mean, you know, the thing is, is everyone wants to, you know, point out that it is fake. Everyone wants to go right to the fakeness. Well, yeah. People say that about things they don't understand. Right. Or that they don't have all the information on. But we know, you know, with even the skull of this creature, being elongated that we have found many elongated skulls right so that's not fake right you know the fingers they showed hieroglyphics of of quote-unquote gods with three fingers right um dude <laughs> it's an alien it, it I'm is. Gonna say it now. it's an extraterrestrial it's close to be i mean again until i see 100 percent proof of what it is i mean <laughs> or until i believe what i read it's 100 percent proof <laughs> This is another click, uh, another uh, quickie here from uh, from Jaime. The bodies are hidden until they can be investigated. They will be delivered to the Peruvian government, who is the legal owner of these bodies. All we want to do is to investigate. So basically, they're saying they're holding on to the, the bodies right. until they figure out what it is, and then they'll release it to the government. Yeah, that's kind of what he said right there. And maybe that's what just needs to start happening everywhere. Right. Yeah, because the government ain't going to do anything with it. That's cute. Very cute. Yeah. Thinks, you know, you're, you're not going to ruin our game. <laughs> you right. Know? Oh, we're going to take that and hide that away. Right. Um, here's another long, a little bit longer clip of him continuing on. Just to think about it, everything has, has to be rewritten. All the rules, all the, the values in the world have to change. And uh, the history has to be rewritten. To consider that these creatures were with us. For so long, and they probably influenced our civilization from the very beginning. It could mean that we have to reconsider everything we have from the past and at the present to start looking at this phenomenon in a different way. This is going to obligate us to become cosmic adults. Right now, we are adolescents. We are we behave very irresponsible regarding Earth. We, we take everything for us. We kill animals. We destroy uh, environment. We do whatever we want as an adolescent who doesn't know, uh, who is not mature, does. And at this moment, when we know that they are there, they are out there and probably looking at us right now, this would be a, a very good opportunity to change the direction 
of the world at this moment? I vote yes. I do too. And what's funny is when I had the interview with Uli John Roth back in late February, right? And you can check that on the podcast page. We he mentioned it. He's like, we are adolescents. Yeah. We're just teenagers. We're even less than that at this moment. The way we are behaving, the way we treat yeah. each other, the way we treat this planet, and and uh, I mean, just look at our government now. I mean, yeah, it's that's yeah. And many governments. Right, right. We got to evolve a little more, everybody. So, do you think when you you know when this comes out, if it does come out as as legit, because I mean, all eyes and ears are on this right. now, so which is good. So when it comes out, and what do they think? Oh no, it's just it's just. Uh, it's a fake, you know, right. or they're going to come out and say, this is real. The DNA does not match anything of this planet. What and are you going to do? <laughs> they're going to try to probably bury the story Balls, or, yeah. you know, redirect. But isn't burying the story, it's kind of old school now, isn't it? Well, yeah, we have the internet. Right. So if they just release it out there and then they would say, all right, swim amongst the sharks. Right. You're you're out there now, but you're also going to be out there against this story. And you're going to be out there against this story. Right. You're going to be out there against this story. And that's where the redirection happens. Right. Ugh. Right. You just have so many different you know, variations. So it does close out one more with Mr. Jaime here. Talking about the, the Nazca alien. Thierry Jamin, the French archaeologist who discovered this or made this well known to the world, told the Peruvian government from January that he thought that this was historical and that these creatures don't look human. And there is no answer so far until now. Why? Because they don't know what to say. Because they don't know if this is a joke. Because they don't know how to consider this seriously or not. And now, when we have released the information, and now that we have x-rays, when we have CAT scans, when we know how old they are, they have to, to do something different. They have to take notice about this. And now they have to protect it, and they have to continue the investigation. The only thing we don't have yet, and it's gonna take a long time to get, is the DNA. We are not talking a simple DNA. People have to understand. Uh, if you take a mouse, if you take the DNA from a mouse, it's 98.5% human. Or if you want, we are 98.5% mouse, you know? Uh, and it's the same with chimpanzees. Chimpanzees are 99.9% human, okay? Then to find something that is so close to humans, but it's not human, it's gonna take a while. Wow. Yeah. Well, the Lloyd Pye documentary that we saw, the, um, you know, everything you know is wrong. Right. Is, it talks about that. It yeah. talks about our DNA and how, how equal, how close we are to primates and other right. animals here on this planet. It's just that one little thing that's a little bit different. Right. So what does that say, everybody? Right. Oh, <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> no, we need to get you started. That's the thing. That's what this whole show is about, Heidi. Getting you started. <laughs> And we're going to play a little bit of metal, a little bit of hard rock yes. stuff. Yes. The only thing is, is most of these songs are pretty long. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well, you know. I mean, I'd love to play this Tool song, but it's like eight oh, minutes long. Yeah, the Tool song. Yes. Every, people have been like, how come you guys haven't played that yet? Oh, really? Yeah. Well, which one are they saying? Um, is it Rosetta Stone? It's not. Well, no, not the one I have here. Okay. But I, I do oh. want to play this one. Let's just play this one here okay. because it's such a badass tune. <laughs> and I want it. you guys to listen to the lyrics because this is really an important song, I think. It really does explain humanity to a certain degree. From 10,000 Days, the tune is called Right in Two, and it's right here on the Extraterrestrial Rock Show. Aliens. With gas. Man. And <laughs> right in two <laughs> from 10,000 Days. 
Uh, I just ran into somebody. His name is Brian. He gave me a CD. It was the it was Lateralis, and it was organized in a different way, where it started off with song six, hmm. went to song seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. They went back to one. Interesting. Two, three, four, five, which he says is pretty much the way it's supposed to be. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. It's all sacred ge- geometry type of stuff. Right. You know, it's, it's insane. And this is when Tool put out or like a mix he did? No, it's a mix he did. He actually gotcha. gave, he gave me a burn CD of it. I'm like, hell yeah, man. So I've been listening <laughs> to it. It's it's a little different because some of the songs overlap each other a little bit more than hmm. the way the album lays it out. Interesting. So you have to kind of find your own little magic with it. So they left a little biscuit for everybody. They did, yeah. A little yeah. Easter egg. Well, I, you know, I think, you know, Tool's kind of one of those bands where, you know, I mean, they get really heavy and deep, but then maybe they get a little clowny too. Right. I think it's up to us to decide which one's which. <laughs> but right in two, I mean, that happens to be one of my favorite songs. And just the message that comes out with that is just incredible. And, I, you know, it's just one of those songs that just makes you really, really think and in, in, in how we are as a society, you know, and. You know, the society that we've created for ourselves. I mean, do you think this society, the way it is built, do you think this is made with good intention? I don't know, man. Do you think we're doing it right? I don't know. (laughs) It's like, that's. it's actually been perplexing me because, like, I've been researching the whole Mandela effect, which I'm still not ready to talk about (laughs) yet. Not yet, not yet. You know, I'm just going to tease you guys a little bit. But I also was, like, thinking about how we used to be able to go outside and play or, like, parents would, like, kick their kids outside to play. And you don't see that anymore. Right. And then I was like, well, is it because there's so many more people and with so many more people, the actual number of weird bad people there are goes up? And then if people are always living in fear, then they're going to be less likely to recognize weird stuff <laughs> like that well, maybe people, extraterrestrials are real right like, and then we can't evolve because so they so, show themselves right because they're so sheltered themselves right that they're not really meeting other yeah. people they're not going out and seeing what's out there yeah and that just everything is a fear like oh that person might try to lock me up in their basement because right. i watch too many horror right. movies well I, you know i was i was gonna post something and i decided not to on this but you know it's better maybe for the show where you know there are two different worlds we live in yeah. There's a world that's right in front of our eyes, out in public, out in where you work, wherever you are, driving, walking, you know. Then there's the world on TV. Right. Which is not the same. No. <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they, you know, everywhere you go, like you mentioned, oh my God, I'm going I'm to be in a protest. Somebody's going to, you know, firebomb this place or someone's going to, you know, whatever. Right. Because they're so used to seeing these stories in the news. That's all they play. Right. All these, you know, I, the, the local news stations even, they're just an emotional roller coaster. These stories yeah. they keep putting out. You know, look at the sunset. One woman killed by ex-husband, you know. Right. <laughs> hey, look at the kids trip to the zoo, you know. Yeah. Um, boy drowns in, you know, tub and stuff like that. It's right. like, what's going on here, man? Why? Why? What's this up and downs and stuff? Yeah. You know, stop trying to be my cool friend news. Just tell me what's really important. Right. I don't, you know, um, there was a story about a man who, now I, I shouldn't know about the story because it happened <laughs> in New Hampshire. But our local news station here in Phoenix Online, of course, it's a little different online. I know it's, they're making it up as they go. There's no, there's no protocol. There's no book of engagement for online. We're just doing it as we figure what's right and what's not right. Right. So here, these news programs are, or these news stations are, are airing or posting these stories. And it's about a guy who followed this woman to her car and beat her up, or you know, thirty-eight, yeah. thirty-nine punches, I believe, was the number that they said. And they showed the video. I'm like, why are you posting this? 
What's the purpose of posting this? Yeah, wouldn't it be better to be posting like, hey, check out this UFO sighting all these people <laughs> caught? Like, yeah, that would <laughs> make much better sense, absolutely. But and I, Maybe everyone would go outside and look up <laughs> and notice that there's like stars in our sky. And, yeah, well, not anymore because those chemtrails. Yeah. Which I saw a little bit of that Franken-Skies video Dude, you sent me. I'm always the one, everyone's always like, Heidi, everything comes back to chemtrails for <laughs> you. And I'm all, it's chemtrails. And I know there's a couple of my friends listening that are like <laughs> laughing. And then I have a couple of supporters, though, that are like, it is chemtrails. Well, that video is <laughs> it's, a, it's about a two-hour documentary, and it's very fascinating, although it gets a little repetitious towards the end. It's the kind of the same message over and over again. But the beginning of the movie is all about the secret programs of manipulating the weather, you know, dropping dry ice and seeing what it creates. I mean, that first in the first five minutes, you see this this blanket of 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 cloud, I guess, just right. drop from a plane. And it's, it looks like a, a like a rope, like you're like almost like you're hanging sheets to dry. Oh, and how they like open up. It, yeah, it just it just hangs. It's the top of the of the of the the line, I guess you can say. Oh, it's like fishing. Yeah, and then it just everything just like a drape or something like that just huh. fall. They were doing it on the ocean, I believe it was. Hmm. But yeah, they don't want people to see it. But then you know, right? And they're talking about seeding clouds and you know seeding it with stuff that is poisonous or seeding it with they what they think is not poisonous but it is poisonous. I mean, mm. it's. It's really sad. It's sad that when you look in the sky and you see, you know, a hundred lines of smoke going back and forth and people can say, well, that's just natural. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the only thing you can say is that contrails dissipate. They do. These don't. These spread out. Yep. And stay up there all day long. Yeah. If you want to see that again, it's called Franken Skies. Uh, pretty amazing little documentary yeah. there. We're never going to, you know, I, sometimes I think maybe they're putting that up there to uh, block UFO ships. You said that right. <laughs> or the, the battles in space that were, yeah. you know, just, just, fuzzy, just fuzz the sky enough <laughs> where what you see out there beyond it isn't very clear. By the way, I went to Snopes, Snopes. to check on this Nazca alien. Okay. What do you think Snopes says? Um, they're probably going to say it's fake because I think that it's, you know, um, a cover up. Snopes is. It is false, according to Snopes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. According oh. to Snopes. Now, but their final like paragraph on this is about Gaia. And I don't belong to Gaia. I don't subscribe to them. I don't either. That's just a little too much money for we me. We don't have any money, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, I don't really care too much to right. get too much. I don't want to pay for that. I could see right. it for free online anywhere else. Um, we have is, enough weird friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure is that. Gaia, if, uh, for, this, is, this is from Snopes. It says, Gaia, known as uh, Gaia MTV, website has a long history of providing a platform for false and spurious pseudoscience conspiracy theories and paranormal claims. Hmm. That's what I said. Well, I'm sure there's a small percentage that get through the cracks that they're probably like, oh, man, we should have vetted that person more. But you know what? These things happen. Right. And there's a lot of people out there who've had these experiences, and that's but, just somebody on there poo-pooing that. Well, okay, but I, I understand that, but I also think that if there's consistent, you know, false stories coming out of one website like right. a Gaia, then how credible can you really take them? But are they really false? That's my question. Well, that's another story, too, right? I mean, we're going to find out, I guess, with this DNA test. Yeah. But what if they say it is real? They say, what, that, what does that mean? Are, again, are we going to know? Right. I mean, how long is this test going to take? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I just, we it's don't know. It's probably going to take a while because it's, you know, pretty degraded and to find right. a DNA sample that's like snap, viable. I would snap one of the fingers off. 
<laughs> probably gonna go, they're gonna go deeper than that. I'm sure. <laughs> oh man, See if it's really... I don't know, but I still always think it's a conspiracy, man. Like even if they did find out it's real, what's to prevent? You know, some agency we don't know about, and maybe this is because I watch too much TV. I don't know, but the Mandela effect, right? Yeah, or yeah, they're like, oh, everyone's finding out about extraterrestrials. We got to shoot some weird beam that screws up the right. parallel universe, <laughs> and there Something. goes Heidi down the rabbit hole. <laughs> Well, it depends on how this gets gets released, though. You right. know, is it another video on Gaia, or will it be something else? You know, I mean, if Gaia has that kind of reputation on it, then yeah, you know, I mean, again. But what if it's still just as someone going online? You know, there's trolls online. Well, of course you know? there are, and you know, the thing, the funny thing about the NASCAR Peru thing, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Willy Wonka. Because <laughs> remember, the the golden ticket was found in like Argentina, and right. it was a fake. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, right. is this the world's golden <laughs> ticket? <laughs> Maybe that's South America for you. I don't know. It's <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Just the thought that ran through my head. Aww. So you have a story. You found. Yeah. So we found this story. Um, this Florida woman finds secret NASA documents in trash outside her home. Yeah, I did read about that. Right? But here's the <laughs> thing. Like, that's cool and all, but it wasn't her house. It was, <laughs> she was a neighbor how- neighbor's house that apparently was selling the home. And she went through that trash. That trash, right. So, Florida people, watch <laughs> out. There's some lady that rolls around and goes through your trash. But they, so whatever, they found um, all these documents. And she said she got concerned because some of the records were lists of scientists that had secret and top secret clearances. And later went back and as she's looking through them, saw they had like social security numbers and all this stuff. And then um, there were records about drone tests from the company that later became Lockheed Martin. And these were from the 60s. Hmm. So they were testing these drones since the 60s. Wow. But it doesn't really say like any more information than that about like, you know, what did they do with the documents? Right, should this be a story we should know about? Probably. Yeah, I mean, like she finds it in the trash and all of a sudden it's national news. Right. Or, you know, underground national news. Well, and, you know, maybe whoever lived there was, you know, had lived there a long time and maybe this was their job and maybe they, you know, passed away and someone's going through their house and they're finding these things and not even looking and throwing them out. Right, that's a point, right. Because you think if they work in this capacity that Mm -hmm. any kind of, you know, paperwork they have should be shredded before they go. But if they go before that happens... But maybe they left it for a reason, and they just didn't come out and say it. Ooh, like, like a, a d- deathbed confession, right. like after death confession. Right. That's what I'm saying. Hmm. And maybe like you know, the whatever agency this person used to work for forgot that they might have papers, or maybe they snuck the papers out. And there's the TV again. <laughs> <laughs> there's a this is a Yahoo story that I caught the, that line that story from. Um, somebody posted a comment: "Dumpster diving for aliens sounds like a new Discovery Channel show." <laughs> Someone else wrote: "Concerned she turned them over to the media shows a lot of freaking concern. Did she get paid too? Try police or FBI next time." Oh yeah, that's a good point. Whoever wrote that. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like you know when you hear a story about someone finding a lot of weed. So this should not be a story. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like this kind of thing should be like, let's go to someone who can really help me. 
right. figure out what this really means. You know, maybe they she she could have gone to you know who who she should have gone to. I don't know because what if you know one of the government agencies would have just been like, oh thanks, and then never said anything. It's not like they're gonna the FBI is gonna be like, oh let's put out this media about this, right. unless they did put it out. I didn't see anything <laughs> in the story if she got arrested for dumpster diving. <laughs> Stealing someone's <laughs> trash. <laughs> I want to know what she was looking for. Probably anything. It was probably a nice house. Who knows? Right. <laughs> trying to find what some, were you looking some valuable. For? That's funny. Uh, that's like super freaky, though. Well, yeah. Because there's probably a bunch of those kind of documents all over the place that nobody knows about. Because I'm sure throughout history or time, there's always been people who sneak those out because they feel like people should know. Right. You know? Well, it's funny you talk about the the drone. You know, the, they were doing this since the '60s. And going back to the Frankenskies, you know, uh, they were saying by 2025, yes, less than 10 years away, they're saying that they can have full control of the weather, or they can actually use it as a weapon. Dude, harp, man. Well, that was one of the things they said about that was that some of the pulses that they're sending out into the atmosphere is pushing the jet stream down, and, and that's why back in the day California had the, had its drought and. And it's affecting the jet stream, so. Yeah, I don't doubt it. It's affecting a lot of stuff. Just leave it alone, man. Yeah. Why, why, why? And if they have to do it for a reason to like, because they're trying to help our planet from burning up, then just tell us about it. But tell us about it. Right. Let us understand why we see planes crisscrossing. So our friends can stop telling us that we're crazy. (laughs) Look, I got into a big uh, Facebook debate with someone about 9-11. Oh, yeah. So now I don't know what happened. I can only go by what I see, <laughs> by what I what I read. Right. Um, it seems like a pretty legit uh, demolition of buildings. Yeah. It absolutely looks like that. And it does not look like a plane hit Pentagon. We don't know what happened in Shanksville. But people are defending it. Well, you're crazy. You're, you're tin hat thinking this and that. I'm like, I think you're tin hat thinking and believing the, the government story. You know, the 9-11 uh, commission report or, or omission report didn't even include Building 7. No. Nope. Didn't even include the money where it was coming from. Are you yeah, kidding me? There's so many things, man. There's a lot. But um, what I'm saying is like people defend that. It's defending the matrix. Yeah. It's defending this life we live without any question. Yeah. I am glad you brought up the tin hats, though, because at the shop the other day, <laughs> we were talking about tin foil hats, mostly just because of me, obviously. And what we realized, you know, it's an electronic shop. We're like, wait a second. Aluminum actually conducts radio signals. (laughs) (laughs) So the whole wearing tinfoil hat thing, don't do it. (laughs) It's opposite. You need need to build a Faraday cage over your head (laughs) with the tinfoil. Maybe not with the tinfoil. No tinfoil. All right, but the chemtrails (laughs) are supposedly full of aluminum. Right, but that poisons you. Right, when you're breathing. Well, it. right, right. They're so na- well, they're nano size. Yeah. I mean, but the thing is, is that you know, I mean, wearing a tin hat while aluminum drops on you <laughs> while it's raining aluminum. Watch <laughs> out for the aluminum. <laughs> well, and people have gotten like, there's people who are starting to get blood tests, and they're testing snow in different areas, and there are such high concentrates of all these chemicals in these people's blood, right. in these snow, in the soil, in everything. In the soil, water, not cool. Something is going on. And and you got to wonder when you're seeing planes flying over overhead and just littering the sky with this cloud or this streak whatever they're putting up there, 
Yeah, everyone sees it. Everyone knows it. It's not natural. But no one questions it as far as our media goes. You're right. not hearing anything from them. So, I mean, not to say they're complicit with it. They're just they're just ignoring it. They're just not going there. Yeah. And maybe there's a stand down order from them for them not to do that. I'm you know? guessing there probably is. Right. I mean, because we all know all the media is tied in together. You know, when you see all those famous clips on The Daily Show where they show a, a series of news stations all across the country starting off their news stories with the same sentence. Right. What does that tell you is that they're all reading from one report. Yeah. And that's where they're all getting their news from is from one place. Here's your news from, from me, and I'm going to spread it out to 50 different TV stations yep. all across the country. Something's got to change, everybody. At minimum, 50. So maybe if, you know, extraterrestrials, if you're listening on that with your tin hats, receiving <laughs> our signal, if you want to just do a low flyover so everyone's like, wait a second. Right. You guys are real. But you got to wave, apparently, because no one takes the evidence of, I saw a very interesting spacecraft zipping around the sky as, oh, that might be a UFO or extraterrestrial right. spacecraft. I'm going to start calling them extraterrestrial spacecrafts instead of UFOs. Because it's, it's a UFO. Well, but a UFO is, you don't know what it is. <laughs> but I think I know. <laughs> right. That's an extraterrestrial I mean, spacecraft. Y- extraterrestrial spacecraft. So uh, ESC. Yeah. <laughs> Or a spacecraft, one word. Or maybe space conveyance. Interesting. Using big words. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but I think a lot of people you know, would, would think that it's all our stuff, no matter what it I'm is. I'm sure some of it is. You know? The ones that shoot straight up are the ones that get me. Like, And even um, Benji, who was on our show. Yeah, Sequoia. Um, yes. Amazing artist, guys. Go check out his webpage. He posted one. And he tagged us in it. Did you see it yet, Kevin? I didn't have a chance to do it yet, but it it goes up at the end. It you know it just shoots z- up. Yep, the zipper. Yeah, the one of those zip ones. Well, someone told me that he was watching this plane do this, this chemtrail in the sky, and then all of a sudden it just took a, a ninety degree and just jetted out of here like a speed you'd never even thought of right. that it can be possible that we can be at that stage yet of just jetting from wherever he's at boom and he said yeah he saw just shoot across the sky as fast as anything else so you know what is it and you know it's just how can we just accept the fact that all these planes are up in the sky polluting it right how do we just let that be as this normal that's what i don't understand and brainwashing it's because everyone's already turned into zombies looking at their phones while they're walking around, there's nothing to or, see here. People yeah. keep looking on your. Even phones. Even like when people are stopped in their cars, what are you? Do, what are most people doing? They're looking at their phones at stoplights. They're right. not out. They're not looking up around at stuff, taking in their environment. No, they're stuck, brainwashed into that phone. Right. And it's you know we're all guilty of it, and we need to recognize that. Put the phone down, people. Put it down. At least for a few. Yeah. Turn it off sometimes too. I always like to play the game. How long can you go without looking at your phone while you're driving? (laughs) (laughs) I have a camera in my car. I like videotape people on their phone. I mean, this guy was going so slow on the road, and he's just eyes deep into his phone. I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean. I honk my horn at those people. I do, too. I get in front of him. I'm like, it's a good chance he's going to hit me. (laughs) (laughs) It's the best thing you can do is get in front of people who are on their phone. That way they're going to rear-end you. And guess what? When anyone rear-ends you, it's 100% their fault. Yeah. (laughs) That's Especially if they're on their phone. Elon Musk has a theory that the universe is a computer simulation. Yeah. I read a little bit about that, and that's a little fascinating. So if that's true, then there really is no reality, is there? Right. We're not real, are Dude, we? Dude, and the Matrix is real. Whoa. Right. So how do we break out of our limitations, our thir- three-dimensional, four-dimensional world we live in? 
to break out what would it be the fifth dimension or you know or (laughs) but are we like in the computer or are we like you know jacked in somehow or did they just take us and put us in skin suits Hmm. like what is it what to be able to feel pain and emotions and stuff like what is if we're inside a computer simulation what where are we when we're if we're not in the simulation i've had that theory i've had that theory that maybe some alien is controlling me to a certain degree you know maybe he's got a couple people he chooses or something like that (laughs) or maybe this is one one per person you know (laughs) i don't know we don't know i mean you know the whole idea of of you know, reincarnation and, and death and the cycle that we are in, we're stuck in, you know, I, I read where it's, it is a cycle and we have to break out of that cycle. We have to break through to the other side. This is what we talked with uh, last week with um, Earl Sisson. Right. Is that, that great filter. Right. You know, if we can pass through that great filter, we won't need this where we're at right now. Yeah. This is, will be unnecessary because we have, we have evolved. So how long will it take for us to evolve? That's the question of it the is. century. I mean, I think a lot of us are ready for it. We're aware of it, at least. Right. I mean, more I don't and think, more every day. Right. I don't think 100 years ago people had this conversation. Probably not. I mean, Maybe it a been, few people. Right. I think it might have been out there just as a, as a query right. of, you know, <laughs> there's space out there. What is that? I mean, what are we? You know, I'm sure that kind of crosses people's minds. But people will say, well, it's not, not enough to worry about. This is, you know, right. I got to be at work at you know, nine, nine in the morning. Well, I'm sure it started crossing people's minds when they started seeing stuff. Right. And they didn't really have airplanes yet. Well, the War of the Worlds was kind of the introduction as far as mainstream goes, you know, and the Roswell crash. And then you had your sci-fi boom in the 50s and 60s. And we really haven't had, you know, well, the moon, obviously, but we haven't really had anything until this Nazca mummy that really has been kind of a proof. There's no been, there hasn't been any UFO crashes. Right. We haven't, you know, heard anything about that anymore. You know, there's, you know, weird little videos that you see online, of course. Hopefully once the evidence is proven to be real evidence, we can start moving forward. Right. That would be great. And how it will be, how it will be accepted, though, is another story. And we can stop asking if maybe it's real or... Maybe it's make-believe. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it all make-believe, Heidi? <laughs> Seriously. It is. Uh, and sometimes so is our show. <laughs> I mean, it is, absolutely. I mean, we question everything. That's what yeah. this show's about. If you don't want to question anything, go listen to something else. <laughs> we like to question things here and tell you that that's what this show's all about. Right. We need to keep an open mind, of course. And like, of course. I I'm not 100% sold on this. But this I definitely alien. believe in aliens. Well, I do too. Extraterrestrials. How can you not? And weird stuff. Dude, we should talk about that video you posted yeah. with the- The in, grocery store? Yeah, or the, dude. Or the liquor store? Yeah. So if that you are- weird, if, man. You guys <laughs> got to go to our page right now and look at this. Yes. This is the Facebook page. Aliens and, with gas, two S's. And we, I posted this. Somebody uh, showed this to me, and I looked at that. I'm like, oh, my God. What is going on here? It looks like somebody has some kind of an epileptic seizure. Yeah. It, it does look like something weird, but For sure. He opens the the cooler door. Yeah. And you see some kind of I don't know what it is with the video. It looks like kind of a yeah. de- deformation kind of thing. Right. Like and, on the glass. And he starts freaking out. Yeah, he starts doing this weird stuff. People right. People come up looking at him and he's like shaking his arm at him. Like I want to know what he said. Right, there's no audio on it. Right. But he's like he's like he's getting a, a a beer out of a something, and then all of a sudden you see something kind of like weird through the door, the glass that he's holding, and then he kind of has this kind of like possession, like he's being possessed. Yeah. And he's having convulsions, and he's freaking out a little bit, and 
But it's not like seizure convulsions where you like lay on the ground and you know, like someone's gotta put something in your mouth for your tongue kind of a thing. Like Right. It's he's standing up, he's like and it he looks like he's fighting it, like his whole person is fighting it. Right. It is bizarre, you guys. Yeah, then he finally passes out and then they the the video actually shows another kind of maybe a ghost like entity. And then some toilet paper flies Dude, off the shelf. Yeah, because <laughs> they're showing it like come out of him, and then there's like a reflection in the, you know, the refrigerator at the store. The it's like a convenience store, like doors. You know, right? You see it like kind of quickly go across. Because I watched this thing like twenty times, dude. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, and was pausing it and trying to like see, and then the toilet stuff on the end cap falls off, and there's no people. Yeah, that was the that was the almost the tipper for me on the video. It was like this might be legit. Of some kind of ghost or spirit or whatever it is when the to- when the toilet paper fall because otherwise it could look like he's having like a seizure right for sure but the toilet paper falling on its own <laughs> was was kind of a trip it was very strange and unusual you guys yeah so check that out uh, if you can because you know we do we do know you like the strange and unusual yep and, and Beetlejuice <laughs> and Beetlejuice <laughs> were you about ready to go um I suppose got, so. a more though there's a little funny video I posted there uh, about NASA and, and moon farts. <laughs> oh, I missed that one. Yeah, it's a little bit. It's below the the, <laughs> the possession video. If See, you will. I just got stuck there <laughs> for like at least forty five minutes. Well, you got to imagine, you know, these astronauts are in these suits. You know, right? Have a little like flashlights. what happens? Maybe that's why they eat really small amounts of food when they're up there. It's in the tang. <laughs> <laughs> tang makes you fart, man. <laughs> hey, what's all this talk about gas, man? <laughs> <laughs> it never ends, you guys. It really doesn't. Uh, but we have to end, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, we will be back next week. Uh, we don't even have a guest yet next week, but we'll probably find somebody. Is it next week uh, when we do? Oh, no, that's the first. Okay. Okay, yeah. So in a couple oh, yeah. weeks on the 7th, it's a Friday night, we're going to be recording the show, but we're going to do it live online. Right. So if you follow us on Facebook, maybe even Instagram, you'll be able to uh, follow the show as we broadcast from the, the Yard Cigar Bar. That's out on McClintock and Dobson out in Mesa and or Tempe, I believe it's the, that part of the town. And uh, we're going to be there live and we're going to be having some uh, musicians with us and we're going to be promoting the show at the yard the following week. And it's just going to be a cool time and we, uh, we look forward to that and we will have a really fun Aliens with Gas show broadcast in front of a live studio audience. Yeah. So that's what we want to do with the show. Yeah, so you guys got to go over to our various pages that I could rattle off quickly, but you know what they are. Just type in Aliens with Gas and you can get more information about that. Exactly. All right, that's going to do it for us on 989.1 FM in the East Valley and on 93.9 FM in the West Valley of Phoenix, Arizona. And then also on Monday, you'll be able to hear the podcast version of this program, which is found on SoundCloud.com, also on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Blueberry, FM player as well. Oh, so that's a new one I didn't is, know about. I know. I, <laughs> he was trying to mouth something to me. I'm like, just talking. I have no idea what he's saying. Well, what's funny is I, <laughs> I Googled our own show to find out where we are. <laughs> I'm like, where the hell did I put this show? <laughs> oh, we're all over the place, I think. But uh, our SoundCloud is our, is our home page if you want to go there, if that's the one you trust. Yeah. But all of our shows are on all of those podcast pages for you guys to check it out and listen in. And we'll be back next Saturday on the voiceamerica.com variety channel. It's Going Global with Gas Man, followed by Aliens with Gas. We are your extraterrestrial rock show. You guys have a good night. We'll talk to you next week. Let's blast off. Later. Thank you, and keep watching the skies. UFO over China. 
According to reports, an airport in Inner Mongolia was forced to shut down to prevent passenger jets from crashing into the unidentified flying object. Witnesses reported a bright light shining in the sky before it suddenly vanished. On July 8th, Shaoshan International Airport was shut down because of a UFO. Officials later confirmed the object sighted was part of a military test. This latest show in the sky makes for the eighth reported UFO sighting in China since June. People ignore the strange and unusual. I myself am strange and unusual.